Jam Session is a podcast where two guys who grew up in Dallas-Fort Worth discuss sports, craft beer, life, and their experiences living in one of America's most vibrant cities. If you love sports, you're going to love this show. If you love craft beer or you're curious about it, you'll love this show. Great conversations with good friends is what Jam Session is all about. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. You're listening to the Jam Session Podcast. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. With Cowboys insider... What's your name? Jean-Jacques Taylor. That's my name. Radio personality and craft beer expert, Matt McLaren. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. And now, the Jam Session Podcast. It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, review, hang out with us for a while. Right here on the Jam Session Podcast. Sponsored, as always, by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal. But right now, that moment we've all been waiting for has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio, the TV, the podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, doc? I would be the non-sexy one. It's Matt McLaren, and this is Jam Session, the podcast, version 325, asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled. If not entertained. Oh, we got a lot to get into. The Cowboys making some moves. They've done it. They've gone and secured a veteran wide receiver. We'll get into that here in a moment. A couple other things that we will jump into as well throughout this edition of the podcast. But as you might imagine, we've got to tell you about our good friends over there at Greening Law. Robert Greening and his staff, the green team at Greening Law, man, they can do it all for you. Whether it is you've been injured in a car accident, you've experienced malpractice from a physician or a hospital, maybe you were injured on the premises of a business, whatever the case, when you have an injury like that, the last thing that you want to have to deal with is the insurance companies and trying to figure out how all of this works. They take care of all that for you. They take care of all the headaches and they are your legal competitor against these insurance companies so that you truly can focus on getting better, which is why they say you're healing and your renewal. Well, you know, that's why we say and Matt's been dealing with a long time, but that's why we say if you're ever involved in an accident or something like that, you know, the best thing you can do and it doesn't matter, you know, whether it's at a business, at a residence you know, construction. So it doesn't matter if you've been involved in an accident and you've been injured. One of the best things you can do is pick up the phone, call 972-934-8900. Y'all know the number, 972-934-8900. Tell the green team, hey, here's my situation. What do you guys think? And if they bring you on for a client, as I've told y'all, it's your lucky day. They don't get paid unless you get paid. So that means they grind for you. They work for you. They lead you through this long, complicated process. And uh, who doesn't want somebody holding their hand when you're going through something like this? You're exactly right. And that's why they exist. It's Robert Greening. You can call him now. That consultation, keep in mind, it's free. If you think you've got a case, maybe you do. Find out. 972-934-8900. 972-934-8900. It's Robert Greening. Call him now. Offices, Dallas, Texas. And Dallas, Texas is where we find these Dallas Cowboys. Now we have made it. There are exactly four games remaining in the regular season. They're gearing up to get ready to head to Jacksonville coming up this Sunday on the heels of that wonky ass, but yet a win over Houston. And you sit here and you look at this and there was only one team in the entire NFL, only one in the entire NFL 
that has a better record than the Dallas Cowboys. And that, of course, is the Philadelphia Eagles at 12 and one. Buffalo's 10 and three. Kansas City's 10 and three. Dallas is 10 and three. Minnesota is 10 and three. So based on record, they might be one of the best five teams in the NFL, just based on record. Okay, that's all I'm going to say with that. You can argue all your other crap some other time. But the Cowboys have gone out and we knew that they were going to need at some point to use that dry powder that Stephen told us in training camp. And they have used some of that to secure the services of a veteran wide receiver, 33 years old. And it is none other than T.Y. Hilton, not OBJ. And for those that don't know, Eugene Marquis Hilton, born in 1989, just turned 33 years old. He was a former third round pick of the Indianapolis Colts and has spent his entire professional career with Indianapolis. He is a four-time Pro Bowler. He had four consecutive 1,000-yard seasons, including the year in 2016 when he led the league. This is a dude that at one time in his career could burn. I mean, this dude had some speed and could stretch the field. Does he still have that at 33? I guess we're about to find out. No, but what he does, you know, um, and I wrote a piece in the Dallas Morning News that you can find on this. Uh, What he does have is just the ability to play football right now, which is something Odell Beckham Jr. does not, if we're going to keep it real. And, you know, as the story started to emerge, man, especially last week when he went on somebody's podcast and talked a little bit about it. Okay, you've either got delusions of grandeur or your ego is really just completely out of control. If you think somebody's going to pay you this year and you're just going to show up in the in the playoffs after, you know, recovering from a torn ACL um, and your first game action, having gotten gone through no training camps or nothing is going to be in the playoffs with everything on the line. Like you really I mean, that's that's just completely irrational to me, man, that that you think somebody's going to do that. And, um, you know, and when when you hear that, it makes me think that this was a this whole thing was like a bunch of attention seeking stuff. Get my name back out there. Let everybody know I'm cool so that when the offseason comes, uh, they'll know what what uh, where I'm at in terms of, uh, you know, rest and recovery. Right. You know, I mean, dog, nobody was going to do that. And so I'm glad. Oh, you know what? I'm going to say this, then I'm going to ask you a question. So I'm glad that the Cowboys said, yo, let's pivot. Let's go get T.Y. Hilton because at least he can help us right now. And, you know, five weeks from now when the playoffs start or four weeks from now when the playoffs start, hopefully he will have been indoctrinated enough into the offense. He can really help us if we need him. And, again, you sign a guy like this not to be a dominant player, not to be a number one receiver, not even to be a number two. You sign him to, in the playoffs, can you make a play? And so I ask you, and this is not the question I have for you, Matt. The, I ask you, do you rather have T.Y. Hilton or James Washington? And T- the answer would probably be T.Y. Hilton. T.Y. Hilton, times. yes. No, yes. Uh, now, here's the question I have for you. Did you hear, and it wasn't just Demarcus Lawrence, did you hear how Dak changed his stance on Odell Beckham Jr. just the other day? Yes. Yeah. Right. And it was, I can't, now I told you that, but now I can't remember. But it was something to the effect of, well, if he can help us, if he can you know, play and help us, fine, we'd love to have him. But, you know, I like the guys we got. That to me said, Dak was like, all right, dog, we're done with this stuff. Let's let's move on. Yeah, and, and look, the reality of it is it, the Cowboys aren't the only team that hosted OBJ. And you have seen, I don't know how many people are aware of this, but also today we talk about the Cowboys bringing in T.Y. Hilton. The Buffalo Bills decided to go get Cole Beasley out of retirement. 
So I, I think what you're learning is that it's not just the Cowboys who dug into OBJ and were like, okay, hold up a second. This dude, this dude is not going to be what we were hoping he might be able to be. And I mean, he's still out there and, and having met with multiple teams and the fact that nobody signed him coming out of that is, is kind of interesting to me. That being said, you look at T.Y. Hilton and this is a dude who last year, 2021, he had 23 catches for 331 yards and he dealt with a series of injuries. He missed the first five games of the year last year because he had a, a nerve, a disc issue in his neck. Then when he came back, he had a quad injury and he missed a game. And then later in the year, he had a concussion. And so he only actually played in 10 games last year and missed seven games. But all in all, this is a dude who, yeah, he's been banged up and he's had some things happen a couple of times in his career, but he hasn't blown out a knee. He hasn't had these massive injuries. They're just what guys in the NFL tend to deal with, where he's missed maybe a game or, or two games here and there throughout the course of his career. His last really impactful season was 2018, 76 catches for 1270 and six touchdowns for the Colts. But like you said, you're not bringing him in to be CeeDee Lamb or Michael Gallup. You're bringing him in with the hope that maybe you can be James Washington or better than James Washington, like a third wide receiver. And I would imagine at this point in his career, he certainly can be. And as a guy, by the way, who, who runs good routes, which they could use. Well, yeah, see, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about a technician, a route runner, a guy like um, I'm not even saying he should replace Noah Brown, but maybe in some sets or some personnel groupings, you'd rather have him out there than Noah Brown. Um, but what he does is you hope that he can come in and just be a legitimate option for you in case you need him. And again, to me, this is all about spending the next month indoctrinating himself into the offense, learning the offense, uh, getting some kind of rhythm with that. And then. If we need you to make a play in the playoffs, can you make a play? And the play could be a seven-yard catch on third and six in the fourth yeah. quarter. It doesn't matter what it is. We'll know it when we see it. But can you make a play to help us win a game? Yeah, and, and I'm, man, I'm totally for it. I liked the signing. And again, as I said, I mean, look, the name Odell Beckham Jr. gets everybody excited. There's no way that it wouldn't. But it, it's interesting that the three teams that he chose to meet with have all still not decided to sign him and that two of those teams that he met with decided to go and sign a different wide receiver. Well, yeah, bro. You know, the other thing about him is T.Y. Hilton brings no distraction. Very true. You know, there'll, there'll be guys whenever, and I don't know if he was available today or not, but whenever he's available, uh, he'll talk to the media. Uh, what he'll say will be some headline. It's, it's some place in the paper, uh, whether it's on the front page of the sports or inside somewhere. And then he probably won't make another headline until he does something in the game. If it's Odell Beckham Jr., then, yes, there's a, there's a headline when he shows up. But then every day for a week, there's going to be, hey, how does he fit into the, to the group? Yeah. When he makes the catch, it's going to be headlines. Anything he says will be headlines. Anything anybody says about him will be headlines, in part because we live in a clickbait world. And so that alone... Uh, I'm not going to say it's a distraction to the point where you're losing games, but it's just one more thing that if you're not helping us win uh, because you're hurt and you can't right now, I ain't really trying to ask a question about you on a daily basis. Yeah, and, and, and so, again, this is a guy they expect that if they want to use him, that he's available and ready to go and can play on Sunday against Jacksonville, from what I understand, from what I've seen. Now, again, I, I, don't, I don't think he's not going out against Jacksonville and playing all the snaps and he's like, oh, my God, look at this dude. But I, I, I imagine that you'll see him Hell, you might see him more than you've seen Jalen Tolbert this year. 
So there's that. The other thing with the Cowboys, and this is a much different situation, is the Terrence Steele situation. I'm sure many of you know by now, but if you don't, Terrence Steele is out for the year. He tore the ACL in his leg. And so that means the Cowboys have got to find an effective replacement for right tackle. And you kind of wonder what they're going to do there. And, and we'll have Todd Archer will join us here a little bit later on on the, on the podcast. But man, that is a concern for an offensive line that really felt like it was starting to find its groove had really been playing really well. Now you've got Jason Peters and you kind of wonder at his age, is that a guy you believe that you can run out there constantly at right tackle who, oh, by the way, and we mentioned this after the game the other night, he came in and played right tackle. That was the first time he had taken snaps at right tackle since 2005. Oh my. And so you kind of wonder, I mean, we all don't really have a lot of faith or trust in Josh Ball. I don't, I don't know what the plan is going to be at right tackle. You, you got to imagine they're going to see what Jason Peters can give them. Can he play a whole game at this point in his career? I, I, who knows? I think that's a big question. But here's the other thing. Uh, I'm not really into fairness. I'm just into it is what it is. But to be fair to Josh uh, Ball, uh, I'm sure he didn't get very many reps uh, that week in practice or any other week in practice. This week, he'll get the vast majority of them, I would think. Yeah. And so you will see, as I like to say, the I don't want to call it the best version because he's still a young player, but you, you should see a much better version of him. And then maybe there is some rotation with, with uh, Jason Peters, whether it's two to one. I don't think it'd be one to one if you can help it, but maybe two to one. And then we can stretch it a little bit, and Arch will be good to ask about this. Um, cause I don't know how difficult it is, but maybe there's a scenario where in a couple of weeks, Tyron Smith is your left tackle, Connor McGovern is your left guard and Tyson Smith is your right tackle. Yeah. I kind of wondered that too. Like, would they move him out to right tackle? It, it, would you consider, and would Zach Martin even be willing to play right tackle at times if they felt like they needed him to do a series at right tackle or something? I mean, I, I don't know. Oh, that's a, I forgot about that. That's another good app. Matter of fact, that probably would be the least uh, disruptive if you had to. You leave Ty, Ty, Tyler Smith at left guard, move Connor McGovern to right guard, and kick Zach Martin out. Yeah, and then if you needed to, you know, maybe you could move Martin back to guard if you felt like you had to bring in Jason Peters for a call. I don't know what they're going to do. The good news is Tyron Smith coming back helps because it gives you a little bit of depth on that line to where maybe you can rotate it or figure out a way where you don't have to use Josh Ball. So that would be nice. So we'll see. The other injury that the Cowboys have suffered, and man, it felt like they were dropping like flies for a little bit with guys that kept going out of the game on Sunday. But Jonathan Hankins, the defensive tackle that they traded for with from the Raiders earlier this season, he is out for the rest of the regular season with a pectoral injury, but it is believed at least that he would be able to come back for the playoffs, but he's not going to be able to play for the next four games. And having Hankins in, I don't know if people have noticed this, but ever since that trade for Hankins went down, the Cowboys have been a lot better against the run. Yeah, he's a big, he's a big wide body. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's what he does. He plugs holes. He, you can't move him. Uh, you don't notice him. He just uh, plugs up things and let other guys make tackles. That's a uh, big loss because they, they went and got him specifically to do a job. He did a good job at that job, and now you don't have that available to you. Yeah, so it's very unfortunate, and we'll see what Todd Archer's got for us, and maybe he can shed some more light on some of these situations. But as we continue here with you on the podcast, let's tell you about Bruce Biltong. We just got, did you see the text today? Text, the tweet today that we got 
from who was it? It was Long who tweeted us and said, got my bags of Brews Biltong. And he picked up a couple of bags of that sliced Biltong from Brews. And I was like, man, Long, I know you're going to enjoy that. You are in for a tasty treat, my friend. So do what he did, man. Jump online at BrewsBiltong.com, B-R-U-S-B-I-L-T-O-N-G. Use the promo code JAM15. You get 15% off your order at checkout. I'm telling you, man, whether you're using it for yourself, whether you're doing it for a Christmas gift coming up, if you like beef jerky, if you have a friend or a family member that likes beef jerky, when you give them a bag of Biltong, they're going to be like, what is this? And go, you like Biltong or you like beef jerky, right? They're like, yeah. You'd be like, this is, you're done eating beef jerky. Welcome. Here you go. Eat it. No, I think the best thing about Biltong, man, not only is it dried butt strips, but it's absolutely positively delicious and it's a fantastic Christmas gift. And uh, so don't think, don't just uh, pick it up. Go get it and thank us later. Yeah, go get it. You will thank us later. And, and Jacques exactly right, man. I mean, when you're trying to figure out, you're like, what, what Biltong butt strips? What are you, what are you guys saying? That's the literal translation of biltong. That's what it means. It, it derives from a Dutch term. Bill means buttock and, and tong means strip. So the word biltong literally means butt strips. I'm sorry. I forgot to explain it. No, I mean, that's what it is. <laughs> that's literally what it is. It is fantastic. I think you guys are going to love it. It's Bruce biltong. It's a great way to help support the podcast because we are the only podcast that he has ever worked with. So check them out at bruisebiltong.com. Also, of course, JR and his guys over there at Freeway Tire Shop and Jacques knows. I mean, he's t- taken all of his cars over there, whether it's an oil change, a tire rotation. I mean, keep in mind, it, when we think about mechanics, I think sometimes we're always like, oh, no, what happened to your car? What's wrong? Why did you have to go to the mechanic? Why did you go to Freeway? It could be something It's just routine, like an oil change, tire rotation or state inspection. And when you have those little things that are routine, don't you want to take it to the best customer service on the planet? Yeah, bro. I mean, that's <clears throat> excuse me. That's uh, that's what uh, Jr. does, man. He learned this at uh, when he was in the management program at Home Depot, and he's taking it to his own company. And the reason I ride with him is you can trust him. You can't say that about everybody. We all know that when it comes to mechanics, but you can trust him to diagnose the problem with your car, and then you can also trust him to use quality parts to fix whatever's wrong with your car. What I really like is that you can trust him to charge you a fair price, man, because we all know not everybody does. And then finally, dog, you can trust him to stand behind his work. Um, I don't think you can do much better than that. If you can, go to that person. If not, go see JR. It's right uh, five minutes from downtown, right up 35E toward Denton. North, you get off at of Commonwealth, you stay on the service road, go through the lights right there on the right. Tell me your boys from Jam Session sent you. And again, you can thank us later. Exactly. It's Freeway Tire Shop. It's easy to do. You want to check them out online, make it happen, man. You can schedule an appointment, make it easy on yourself. You can even request a quote. It's freewaytireshop.com online. So we take this trip around the block before we get into our conversation with Todd Archer. And a couple of things that I had for you. And first, I was curious because obviously we've got Christmas coming up. And as, as many of you listen to this, we're whatever it is, like 10 days away from Christmas, 11 days away, whatever. Are, are you a stocking stuffer? Do you, do you get stuff to stuff stockings with? Uh, I have been known to do that. What do you get? What do you put in a stocking? <laughs> uh, depending on who it is, uh, you know, sometimes it's their favorite snack in a, you know, a small bag or something. Sometimes it's uh, sometimes it's a it's a gift card. <laughs> sometimes I, no, I do personal idea. I do personal gifts. So you know if it's something I know you like, 
I mean, sometimes, man, I just be laughing, you know. If, if, for example, if somebody likes uh, Big Red Soda, but they don't drink it all, they don't drink it very often because, oh, it's got too much sugar, I'm trying to cut back on sodas, whatever. Yeah. I might, st- I might stick a can or two in their stocking. I do stuff like that. Okay, yeah, because I'll do, I kind of do little things like that, and then I always forget to get, like, little snacks and little fun things like that. Because there's a couple of things I generally every year might put in the stocking for the lady fiance that she likes. And then I'm always trying to figure out like, what the hell? Cause then I'll get a stocking and people will put candy and stuff that I like in the stocking. I'm like, Oh yeah, that's a good idea. I should do that. <laughs> no, I do that. I wrap, I've been known to, um, <clears throat> I think last year, man, I wrapped up a box of Oreos all pretty for my, for my granddaughter. I do stuff like that. Yeah. That's a good idea. Cause you have these stockings, you know, and I'm always like, like, I, I don't know what it is. Like my, my lady fiance's mom and my mom are like, and, and so is she. I mean, they're so good at finding like these little knickknacks or snacks or whatever to put in stockings. And then you get it and you're like, oh my God, this is really cool. Like who knew that I could find something this neat to put into a stocking. It's almost well, like when, like when you go to Target or whatever, and you're in the checkout and you look around and you see all those little there things. You there you go. And so I do a lot of that, man. I've always done that because my mother was a fantastic gift giver. Yeah, man. I mean, you would say something in February, and you would forget about it, and that thing would show up on Christmas Day, and you'd be like, oh, my God. I never thought I'd get this, but you just mentioned it in passing one day, and she remembered it, and if the budget was right, she took care of it. And then, um, you know, she always had really nice little stocking stuff for things, and then every Christmas, I don't know how she did it, man. Up until I was, nah, I'm, she might have done this all the way until I was grown. But uh, grown meaning 18. She would hit you with something, and you'd be like, I have no idea where this came. It was always the yeah. the, the stuff that you knew about or thought, oh, that's really cool. And then there was something that just blew you away. Yeah, that's kind of, my lady's very good at that. Like, very, very good and has given some gifts before where it just blows my mind. Like, I can't even imagine. And then I always try and come up with stuff or, like, try to pay attention to stuff she's mentioned or I know that she would be into to make sure, you know, you kind of get to the Christmas season. Like, I already gave her one gift this year, and it was, a, was, gift, it? It was a gift for her business that she does. And, you know, we go to these pop-ups and whatnot, and she has needed a cart, like a, a heavy-duty wagon, essentially, where she can load stuff in it and pull it herself if she has to load or unload and I'm not like right there with her. Right, right. So I got her one of those because I knew that she'd been, she had looked at them before and, and they're a little expensive, but I got one and, and we actually used it, which is why I already gave it to her because she had a pop-up a couple of weekends ago, like that first weekend in December. Right. And right. I knew that it would come in handy for that. So I was like, all right, well, I don't really have a way to wrap this. So I just like, <laughs> I, I put it together and I put it out in the garage and I was like, all right, your presence out in the garage. So, oh, well, aren't you a sweetheart? Hey, look at me. I do some good things from time to time. So the other thing I wanted to bring up is we're, we're heading into award season for TV and film and, and you and I enjoy watching movies and shows. And so we have the Golden Globe nominations out. And this is interesting because it's funny when you look at like, we'll start with television, the nominations for best drama and then best comedy. Well, drama, I, I, I've at least am very aware of what all of these shows are. And I've seen three out of the five. So the, okay. the five nominees for best drama on TV, better call Saul, the crown, which we are currently watching. And we just finished season three last night, house of the dragon, Ozark and severance. So Severance has won like a couple of years in a row at the Emmys. 
So that's an HBO show. But I, I'm, I know what it is. I'm aware of what those shows are. What is Severance? Severance is, man, I, I'm, it's one like back to back at the Emmys for best primetime drama. And it is a psychological thriller that is directed by Ben Stiller and some dude that he collabs with. It's a team of office workers whose memories have been surgically divided between work and their personal lives. So what it's been explained to me is that I know somebody who watches it. It's basically like when you go to work, that's all you remember. And when you leave work, you have no recollection of your work. And when you're at work, you have no recollection of your personal life. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So it kind of sounds interesting. And apparently it's really good. I mean, it's won multiple awards. But the wild thing is, here's the drama or the, the these are the five nominees for best television show for a musical or comedy. I've only even I've seen one of these and I've only heard of two of them. Abbott Elementary School or Abbott Elementary. Don't know what that is. The Bear. Don't know what that is. Hacks, which I've heard of, but never seen. Only Murders in the Building. No idea. And Wednesday which is that show on Netflix, obviously the Adams Family thing that we actually watched. And I can't believe that was nominated for a Golden Globe, (laughs) but okay. But like the other ones, I I don't know what they are. And somebody told me that I need to watch The Bear, which apparently they said that I would like it. And I don't know what it is. Okay, it's on Hulu. It has people in it that I have never heard of before, and it is a young chef from the fine dining world comes home to Chicago to run his family sandwich shop after a death in his family. Hmm. And it's a comedy. Maybe it's because you eat turkey roll sandwiches all the time? I don't know, I guess. I, I'm, I'm unfamiliar. So here are the nominees, and keep in mind for Golden Globes, they separate Best Picture in two categories, kind of like TV. So you have five nominees for musical or comedy, and the five nominees for best drama. And then generally speaking, when the Oscar nominations come out later on, a lot of the times, a lot of the movies that are nominated at the Golden Globes are nominated at the Oscars, obviously. So the first movie is called Babylon, which I did not know what that was, but from what I understand, it is a Margot Robbie, Brad Pitt, Tobey Maguire movie about the, it's based in 1920s Hollywood. And it hasn't come out yet. It comes out uh, Christmas weekend. Oh, okay. The other one, and I don't know what this is, man. It's called The Banshees of Inishirin. You know, I once had a fantasy baseball team called The Banshees. And this one has Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson in it. And this one came out in October. It says, on a remote island off the coast of Ireland, a guy is devastated when his buddy suddenly puts an end to their lifelong friendship. And it's a comedy. It's a dark comedy, I guess. Okay. Oh, okay. The other one is Everything Everywhere All at Once. And I've heard a ton of stuff about this movie. This is supposed to be badass. And that is directed actually by a guy who grew up here in Birmingham. That's how come I've heard of it. But that is one that got a lot of accolades. And I've heard people uh, talk about it quite a bit. It says, when an interdimensional rupture unravels reality, an unlikely hero must channel her newfound powers to fight bizarre and bewildering dangers from the multiverse. What the hell does that mean? I don't know, but it's, it sounds cool. It's got a 95% on Rotten Tomatoes, 8 out of 10 on IMDb, 84% on Google, and it's supposed to be really good. That came out earlier this year, and I think you can stream that. And then the other two nominees are Glass Onion and Knives Out Mystery, which was the sequel to the Knives Out movie that came out a couple years ago. 
And then the fifth nominee for best comedy is one called Triangle of Sadness. Jeez. But in that, I mean, like, I, you know, and I enjoy movies. I watch a lot of movies. I've never heard of a few of those. No, no. I'm going uh, <clears throat> to, excuse me, rewind for a second. So in that first category, what are you picking? Out of musical or comedy or out of the TV? No, the TV, you know, The Crown, Better Call Saul, Ozarks. Oh, God. I mean, to me, because I haven't, I haven't seen Severance and I'm not going to watch The House of the Dragon. So to me, it's between Better Call Saul and Ozark. And I would, I would probably have to give it to the final season of Better Call Saul over the final season of Ozark. Wow. Okay. That would be my vote because I thought you it was what? phenomenal. I don't, you know, I think I got stuck on, I don't think I saw the last season of Better Call Saul. And, you know, if I have to give an award for best TV, musical, or comedy, since I've only ever seen one of them, I guess Wednesday somehow is one. Because <laughs> I've never seen the other one. But for movie, how about this? Here are the, the, the nominees for best picture drama. The new Avatar, which comes out, I mean, it might come out this weekend. Avatar, The Way of Water. The movie called Tar or Tara or whatever they call it, which is that movie with, I think, Kate Blanchett plays a, that composer who is a really famous composer and i'm probably saying it incorrectly it's t-a-r with a little you know whatever you call it a little accent over the a so it might be tar or something who the hell knows tar yeah whatever it is and then the other three (laughs) the fablemans which is supposed to be phenomenal and that is the new movie that steven spielberg is behind he directed it and that one has michelle williams is in that paul dano and that is supposed to be a really really good movie and then your other two nominees which i have seen are elvis which was very good. And Top Gun Maverick got a nomination. All right. And I got to tell you, man, Top Gun Maverick's probably the best movie I've seen this year outside of All Quiet on the Western Front, which didn't get a nomination, but it was nominated for Best Picture Foreign Language. All right. All right. All right. So I'm curious to see, man. I'm kind of curious to see what these, and you know, anytime you see these nominees, the other ones, I'm like, well, damn, somebody thought these were really good. I got to check them out. Yeah, for real. Um, I may try to check out a couple of those. Uh, some of those are intriguing. I mean, Severance sounds kind of interesting to me. Uh, so I may go around and check that out. Musicals, I don't really get down with. Comedies, you know. I have yeah. to be really, really, really stoked to watch that. But I like dramas. Yeah, I, I do as well. And this is going to be interesting. So we'll see. And then, you know, that dude who played Elvis got nominated for Best Actor. And I'm telling you, man. If you, you haven't, was phenomenal. Yeah, if you haven't seen Elvis, I mean, this dude is, it, it's, the guy's Elvis. I don't know what else to tell you. The, he is Elvis. So if you were into that, you should check him out. And then Brendan Fraser, who's getting a ton of publicity for his role in The Whale, got nominated as well. And that's a, a movie about a giant fat guy, I guess. So, <laughs> I mean, I it, it is. A, I thought it was about a gambling guy. No, <laughs> no, not that kind of whale. Like an actual giant, you know, like a large person. Wow. Okay. Maybe it needs to go to soda. Yeah, it's called it, it, the name of it is the whale, and it's called it, it's an obese and reclusive English teacher tries to reconnect with his teenage daughter for a chance at redemption. Okay, there's nothing wrong with that. And and then now it's getting ripped in a couple of articles and stuff because it portrays fatness as a monstrosity and all that type of thing. Okay, get over it. I mean, it is what it is. I mean, you know. And I and I say that in the sense of. Every we can find something to to moan and groan about in every movie. Uh, you've got to find comfort within your own self, whether whatever your issue is, because we all got issues. 
And so whatever your issue is, you just got to find comfort in it. But, you know, um, I don't know, man. You know what I'm saying. Yeah, I, I know what you're saying. And, and I, it's it's what it is. It's like, you know, I was going to get into this later on because bring up Mike Leach when we after we get done talking to Todd Archer. But it's like somebody tweeted today that we should be using Mike Leach as an example of why you need to, to take care of your body and physicality okay. and all that. And I was like, you know what, dude, live how you want to live, man. Well, not just that, but I believe who's the great, the great long distance runner, Jim Fix. I think he dropped dead of a heart attack. Yeah, I mean, you just never know, man. I mean, my reality of it, live how you want to live. When it's your time, it's your time. It's not anything you can do about it. Um, yes, there are some things you can do to help uh, extend your life, but dude, there there are loads of people who are fit, perfectly good shape, who just dropped dead. Maybe it's a brain aneurysm. Maybe yeah. it's a brain clot. Maybe it's a massive heart attack because uh, uh, outside they look physically fit and inside they had a lot of plaque on their arteries. Um, let's stay away from that, man. Yeah. And, and so, my again, is, is if you are happy, then live how you want to live. If you are happy. So. Yeah. Do you. That's what uh, I say. Live, man. Do you live you? Uh, because I've seen and, you know, we see it all over time, man. But, you know, like Lizzo. What is she? Probably 300 pounds. That woman's got so much self-confidence and so much self-esteem that she seems all right to me. Yeah, and that's what it's about. Right. It's all about how you feel about yourself. And there are plenty of people who are in great shape who who are a mess inside and have the lowest self-esteem ever. Exactly. um, You know, you can't and and you can't. um, Here's what I'm getting at. I've spent so much time at Jackson State. And, uh, you know, Matt. It's probably about time for us to talk about that. Maybe next week we'll talk about it. Okay, that'd be great. Or, or, or maybe Thursday. Yeah, tell we'll us some inside information. Um, but I've spent so much time down there talking to players for this project I'm working on. And what I'm talking about, Matt, is we can probably talk about the project now. Oh, okay. Uh, All right, nice. Um, that um, um, Dude, I can't tell you. Now, I'm not, I don't consider myself a judgmental person. But I have uh, I have seen I have talked to so many kids down there on that football team and what I thought they were and who I thought they were has been so false that I was just like, dude, (laughs) even though I don't consider myself a judgmental guy, I just got to stop it all. I can't even be one percent or 10 percent. I just got to just wipe it all clean because you just never know who you're talking to, what their road to where they got is and what they what the what the journey for them has been like. And you're sitting up there going, oh, well, this guy's like this and he's like that. And, you know, man, <laughs> it, it's insane. Like, I was talking to one kid and, um, you know, we're having a pretty deep conversation. He goes, you know, I'm not built like everybody else. I'm built different. You know, my daddy raped my mama. I saw my brother killed in front of me. I had uh, one of my kids has died. I had four kids in a four-month period. I've been through a lot, man. <laughs> I was just like, shit. Yes, you have. And he wasn't saying any of that. It was bragging. He was just stating facts. Yes, I said that four kids in a four-month period. Uh, yeah, one of them died. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, it's just wild, man, what people have gone through. And you see this guy, and he looks as normal as any other college kid. Yeah, that's the way it goes, you know. Yeah. All right, it is time to check in with our ESPN NFL Nation Cowboys reporter, Todd Archer, joining us. And, 
Todd, we saw Sunday's game did not go the way that I think anybody thought that it would go. I mean, it's one thing to say you're a 17-point favorite. It's another to need a 98-yard drive at the end of the game to knock off Houston. What do you make of what happened on Sunday and what we saw from the Cowboys? I guess the easy thing to say is is welcome to the NFL, right? I mean, it kind of happens to a lot of teams, even the the best teams. It it took the Eagles a a last-minute drive against the Colts a few weeks ago to, to beat them. Uh, Jalen Hurts touchdown late in that game. They win 17-16. Um, so it, it kind of happened. The, the, the good news, if you're the Cowboys and the Cowboys fan, is you didn't put together that 98-yard drive and you won the game. And I thought it was interesting when I asked back the question, can you get more from this than you would have out of the Minnesota game where you went 40-3? to And he said, yes. Yeah. Because they can always have this in their memory bank of, Hey, we did this. Now it's going to be not be maybe some of it's because well, it's the Texans do to paraphrase Pac-Man, but they did it. They accomplished it. They 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 drove down the field. They did something they didn't really do the entire game, or at least since that first drive. And they made the plays when they needed to make. There's a famous book called Fall River Dreams. It's about um, Durfee High School basketball in Massachusetts. And the Heron family, I don't, did you, I don't know if you guys read it, but the head coach is Skip Karam. And he would say, his famous quote that I always remember from the book is, I don't know what winning is, I just know it's not losing. And that's what this one was. I don't know what winning is, I just know they didn't lose, didn't lose the game. So you move on and then you hope you're better this week against Jacksonville. Um, I think some of what got just a little bit lost, just a little bit, in the fantastic drive, because Dirk Dak was, uh, what was he, six or seven on that drive, and the only incompletion was the uh, Gallup drop after he got hammered, was, how about the goal line stand, man? Because I thought there was, yeah. I thought there was no way they didn't get points, but I certainly expect them to get a touchdown when you got first and goal from the four. Absolutely. You know, and it, it, the, the first play is a, is a minus run. Uh, the second play, I don't know why that play wasn't challenged. I thought he scored. Didn't you? Like uh, on the pass, yeah, like, yeah, it looked like it. Like even the replays didn't look that conclusive that he didn't get in. I, I, I swore he was in, um, but I, I think hey. it was just a case of you get to the one inch line and you go, okay, we'll score on the next play. Yeah, I still, I would still challenge that one. But and then Demarcus Lawrence on third down, you know, and I didn't realize, you know, you know what it's like. You're writing at the end of the game because you got to get your stuff in. I just assumed it was Damian Pierce running the ball there, not Rex Burkhead. And I looked at the game sheet, at, the the play by play after the game. I'm like, is he with the Burkhead down there? What was Pierce? I'm like, I don't know if Pierce got hurt or <laughs> Burkhart there, no, but maybe things hurt. are a little bit different. Yeah, and maybe things are a little bit different if if he's running the ball, running the ball there. But Demarcus Lawrence, the timing of coming up with the big play, knifing through, then on the fourth down play, you know, they they, they stop him with. If that was a speed option, it was a slow speed option. I think Driscoll turned the wrong way coming out of out in center, and that allowed them to make the play. That that couldn't have been how it was designed. But yeah, I mean, look if if if, if they score a touchdown, the game's over. Like that's it. They're they're not going to score ten points in the last two uh, three minutes and twenty seconds. The way that the way that is going. So that that's the whole complimentary football part of this thing and the defense, which I didn't think was particularly uh, strong for most of the game. No sacks, 
for the first time in 20-something games. I, I realize the final rushing numbers look pretty good when you're holding the team at 3.1 yards, yards a carry. But I thought, you know, the Texans can control the line of scrimmage in, in a lot of respects. And that's not something we've said about the defense really much at all this season. So, uh, But when, as Quinn said to us on Monday, when the game was its toughest, we played our hardest. Or maybe when the game was the hardest, we played our toughest. You get the point. Yeah, that they rose to the occasion when they needed it most. Well, coming out of that game, one of the things that it, that they'll have to figure out is what to do with the offensive line. Terrence Steele, his ACL, he's done. What do you get a sense of how they might try and attack this thing? Is it going to be Jason Peters, do you think, that would be the main right tackle now? Is it going to be a combination of him and Ball? What do you see happening? I think, stress the think, underline the think, bold the think, they're going to split it because, look, Jason Peters is 40 years old. Like, mm-hmm. he's, he's not played right tackle since, you were in fifth grade, Matt. So <laughs> to, to think he's going to be able to come out here and play 65, 70 snaps, I don't know if that's the wise thing to do. Um, you know, Tyron Smith, oh, he played right tackle his rookie year. He can move over there. I don't think that's the wise thing to do. Well, Zach Martin can play right tackle. Uh, you know, he, you got to move. Well, I don't think that's the wise thing to do. Because then you're moving three guys around for, for one spot. So, it's a huge loss. Terrence Steele was, was playing very well. Zach Martin thought he was their best lineman uh, this, this season. Um, so it's, it's a huge loss, but they do have options, and that's not something that we could say about the Cowboys when they've lost guys on the offensive line before that you feel okay with. Now, again, do I want to see Josh Ball play 70 plays a game? Probably not. Do I want to see Jason Peters play 70? I don't know. So to me, you mix it a little bit to get the best out of both of them. But that's something Mike McCarthy said he's never really done. I I will have a better feel as obviously they go through the week of practice, but my gut tells me right now they, they split it between those guys. And this is why I hate football grading. Like I'm going to say something really stupid. Josh Ball really wasn't bad except for two plays. Well, those two plays led to a Dak fumble and a Dak interception. So, those plays mattered, but right. before those two plays, did anybody notice that he wasn't very good in the game? Like, I, I didn't. Like, I thought he was functional. He was he was okay for a guy that's not really played. Like, it wasn't like the Chaz Green fiasco a couple of years ago mm. in Atlanta. Right. So, right. but but I think you know you get down to this point of the season, you, you rely on Josh Peter, uh, Jason Peters, you rely on Josh Ball, and and you and you. Hope that it works at, at this point of the year. I, but I don't think it's going to be anything else. I don't think it's Zach Martin. I don't think it's Tyron Smith. I don't think it's Tyler Smith. I think it's, you know, a combination of those two guys. I think it's um, just because and me and Matt uh, were talking about it earlier, just that uh, with a full week of practice, he should be better uh, just because he's getting a lot more reps in practice. And, you know, he knows he's playing. So whatever attention to detail will be even more, uh, impactful just because of that, wouldn't you think? Yeah, I mean, and, and truthfully though, like he's gotten snaps in practice um, throughout the course of the year. They mixed their linemen in pretty good um, th- during the week to work all these different combinations. So in, in the last uh, couple weeks, say they've been on their winter schedule where they've kind of McCarthy hates to cut back the reps, but that's kind of what they're doing where 
I, I ball, you know, ball's gotten enough practice time throughout the whole course of the season at, at right tackle because well, let's go when he was healthy, he was playing on the left side. So, um, yeah, he, but it, it is different though if you know that they're going to need you at least to play a little bit somehow, some way. As to the only way you're getting in the game if if it's a blowout or something that or a turn seal, maybe your mindset changes. But I, again, not an ideal situation at all. But at least they have options where it's not like, oh, sign that guy off the street and see what he can do on the offensive line at this point of the year when there's not really anybody available. Is this a thing on the other side of the line? If Tyron's ready to go this week coming up at Jacksonville, that that he'll go full on and they'll just move Tyler Smith to guard and that would be the main set? Or do you see them kind of rotating them a little bit as well as Tyron Smith tries to work his way back in? Yeah, I, I think this week against Jacksonville, and Jerry said on his radio show today that he anticipates him playing. I don't see Tyron Smith starting and coming back and playing right away. I think it's a little bit like what you saw from Jason Peters at left tackle the couple last couple of weeks, a series in the first quarter, a series in the second quarter. I'm sorry, a series in the first half, a series in the second half, work his way back in that way and kick Tyler Smith down at, at left guard. It, it's interesting, like we all just assume that well, okay, just move Tyler Smith into guard and, you know, everything will be hunky-dory and all good to go. Connor McGovern's played pretty well. Like, mm-hmm. if you talk to people in the building, there's there are some who believe he should be the guy and not be moved just because Tyron Smith is coming back. So, again, a good problem to have if you're the Cowboys is that you have options, uh, you know, with, with Tyron coming back. I don't think it would be fair to Tyron Smith to have him come back this week against Jacksonville, and heck, it might not even be fair – the following week in Philadelphia to say, okay, your first start is against the Eagles in, in a huge game, and you've not done any, you've not played a game since last January. Uh, so, and having to play 70 snaps. So, uh, work him in slowly this week against Jacksonville, get his feet underneath him a little bit, and, and then maybe he starts against Philadelphia. I think that's the way they go. I know Jerry wants Tyler Smith to be the left guard, but I think there's some other people in the building that think Connor McGovern should remain the guy there as well. He's, he's deserved it. He's earned it. Um, we spent all this time, and we haven't talked yet about uh, Odell Beckham Jr. And uh, <laughs> I was going to say his delusional thoughts that somebody's going to pay him and he's not going to play into the playoffs. And then what do you think about T.Y. Hilton uh, and how he can uh, contribute? Yeah, the, the T.Y. thing caught me off guard. I didn't see it coming. I thought it was an Odell thing and an Odell thing only just because Jerry was infatuated with the name. Like, if you look at it right now, they have seven receivers on their 53. Someone's got to come up with some magical hamstring strain to go on IR or something here, right? Like, um, and you got James Washington back, and no, he didn't have a catch last week. But the, the, the Odell thing, I don't think the Odell thing is dead, to be honest with you. I think that's Jerry's infatuation with it. Um, I, I can see him... I can see him still signing here and never playing a snap this season. <laughs> and then the Cowboys either rehabbed him well enough. And he says, you know, I liked it here. I want to stay. Or the Cowboys get a compensatory pick in 2024 for him. Like mm-hmm. maybe I'm being far too cynical when it comes to this stuff, but I can still see Odell being here and not even playing a snap because his knee won't let him be ready to, to play. Um, but the TY thing is interesting and it's, you know, he's got a pedigree, um, four Pro Bowls, 
in, in Indianapolis that led the league in, in receiving one year. And again, it provides actual cover if something were to happen to Lamb and Gallup down the stretch that Odell wouldn't have covered because he's not ready to play. And, and you know, I, I thought it was interesting that McCarthy kept saying, he's ready right now. He's ready right now. Yeah. It's, he can play. Well, that was uh, Odell's not. And Odell might not re- be ready to play. Heck, who knows if he's ready to play by the Super Bowl even. So um, I think it's a, it's a smart signing and in, as insurance for the possibility of something happening in a few weeks. And then you're left with nobody to go add of, of a T.Y. Hilton quality. Yeah, say, you know, you bring that up with the seven wide receivers and then Tyron Smith, I guess, who's technically still on IR, right? So they're going to have to make a couple of roster moves. I mean, have they designated Terrence Steele for anything yet? I guess they would do that. Well, they, yeah, they still have, before Terrence Steele got hurt, they only had 52 players on the active roster, right? Oh, okay. So now you sign T.Y. and that fills that spot. You put Steele on IR and there's the spot for Tyron. So they, they've got the roster spot. Now, the interesting thing is if, Let's say they sign Odell, right? Well, he needs to be on the roster for a day. So, but and then you can move him to injured reserve, right? It's the same thing as as the start of the season when, when you're trying to figure out the roster uh, maneuvers to get to the 53. Uh, so th- they would likely have to do the same thing uh, with Odell. So you know you don't have to add Tyron Smith to your 53 man roster until Saturday. So that 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 window might might be open. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. So the the other thing that we found is with Jonathan Hankins, where it sounds like he's he's at least done for the regular season, but yeah. he could come back for the playoffs. Yeah, pec strain, uh, those aren't good. And if he's missing four weeks, that tells you it's a pretty good uh, injury that he suffered. So even when he did come back, he'd probably have to wear some kind of harness or something to, to make it through um, a, a game. But I think that's a pretty – substantial loss with how he's played here the last couple of weeks um, in, in helping shore up that run defense. And, you know, is that a spot now where the Cowboys go out and, and look and, and see what veterans are available to go get there uh, in case he can't come back? Uh, I, don't ask me who, who I don't think Ted Washington can still play, but, um, you know, he, that, that's a pretty big loss in my view that's not been talked about a lot, uh, especially when you look at, okay, Philly, they can run the ball. Mm-hmm. Tennessee, we know they can run the ball. Washington's run the ball better. And then when you get to the playoffs, you're going to – you're playing a San Francisco team that can run the ball maybe. Uh, obviously, a Philly team that can run the ball, a Minnesota team. So, they, they better they better hope that Hankins can come back and contribute in the playoffs. Um, what do we think about Dak and not his interceptions, though? You know, it's funny, like, you, you ask someone on Twitter, say, how come Dak's the only one that gets talked about with these picks and the, you know, the, in the same time frame, like, Josh Allen has seven picks <laughs> yeah. and Mahomes has seven picks or whatever it is, right? Well, well, here, here's why we talk about it with Dak. A, we focus on the Cowboys. And B, he's never had this stretch before in his career. Like, Thank you. He, has, he has more picks in eight games than he had in his rookie year and as he had in 2018, I think, like, I, I don't think he's being like the use the Parcells word indiscriminate. I think he's had some bad breaks, but I do think there's a level of why'd you throw that there? That's not where the ball's supposed to go. Six, two, 
right? Like, and we go back, we had a discussion in the Green Bay game. The first interception in the end zone where it was muddied, and it, who knows if it was Dalton Schultz's fault or C.D. Lamb's fault or whoever you want to blame. I'm still putting that one on Dak because throw it in the sand, man, kick the field goal. If it's not clean down there and it's too tight, throw it in the sand, kick the field goal, go up 10 nothing. might be a different game. Who knows? Um, the throw last week against the Colts to Gallup, Stephon Gilmore has got outside leverage on him. Whether Gallup trips or not, you know, that, that's probably not the best throw to make, even if Gallup is in the position to make the play because Gilmore's right there. Um, you know, this one, th- this week, the first one to, to Noah Brown, the linebacker's jumping underneath that one. What, like, shouldn't he see this stuff? And I think that's where the people who know football more than we do say he's not seeing the field with his vision defense, as McCarthy has termed it. And honestly, that's been an issue that he's had for for a good portion of his career, the vision defenses. And I think sometimes he just needs to just take the simple throw and live to fight the next down, right? And I go back to the first drive of the game, and I scored a touchdown, so it didn't matter. But he threw the deep ball to Gallup that was, that was broken up. Mm. Go back and look at that play. There's not someone, a defender within 10 yards of TD down the middle of the field at, like, say, the 15-yard mark as opposed to where Gallup was way down the field. Make the simple throw. And, and that's something we've seen Dak do time and time again in his career. But this year, does he seems to be a little bit different? Is that – am I making excuses for him? Am I explaining it? Or is, what, what do you think? No, you know, excuses say it's not my fault because of this. A reason is here's why this happened. I thought it was his answers up until last Sunday, though, where I'm going to be aggressive. I'm going to take these shots if I trust my guys. And then I thought after this last game, he said, yeah, I can't. I promise you, I got to be better at this. I can't do this. So maybe his – and it doesn't mean you got to go into a shell and be Charlie check down and just move on, right? I mean, there, there are ways to be aggressive without being too cocky in what you're doing. And I think that's – that we've never seen Dak be that guy, which is a little odd for all of us who have seen him play every game that he's played. Right? Yeah. No, it, 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 it's very odd. It, it, to me, it becomes like one of those things like, okay, whether it's the receiver, it's a breakdown at the offensive line, whatever it is, like you, you just, it has to stop. Like you cannot consistently turn the ball over like this and expect and, – and that's what we look at at this point. That's why the Houston game is frustrating, you know. I mean, yeah, just win. And if you did that in the playoffs, great. But everybody wants to nitpick because that is the belief that this team yeah. can accomplish something. And also I think what's happening right now as well is you look at what the Cowboys did with Houston and then the Eagles go out, thrash Tennessee – and annihilate the Giants, and we're all starting to look at the Eagles like, okay, maybe that is a team that might scare us a little bit in the NFC now. Yeah, no no question. And they're, they're playing well right now. And I think the, the key in all this stuff is right now, because all this stuff is week to week. Because three weeks ago, they beat the Colts 17 to 16, right? I mean, so they weren't on fire either. Um, yeah. And I know, you know, they had a 33-point fourth quarter against the Colts. Uh, that was a close game. Should have been a close game. Well, they did what they were supposed to do eventually. They, they blew them out. They, they, they stepped on their neck in the fourth quarter and, and, and won big. I, I laugh at some people at the place I work with say the Giants game was a close game, 28-20. That wasn't a close game. Mm. The Cowboys were up 28-13, missed a field goal, 
And then they allowed a BS touchdown with like a minute to go and it made it 28-20. That game wasn't close. The Cowboys were in control of that one throughout the game. Like, Barkley did nothing. Daniel Jones did nothing. Like, you know, whatever. But, you know, now it just gets clouded that the Eagles – I'm sorry, the, the Colts game, hey, that was close through three quarters. It was 21-19. Yeah. Oh, they blew a, you know, 14-point lead in, uh, up in Green Bay in the fourth quarter. Well, it's still Aaron Rodgers. Like, and, and you know, and, and then this one, obviously, against Houston. So, I think the Cowboys do get nitpicked more than other teams. Uh, and it's more the what have you done right now because go back to the first game of the season. I think the Eagles beat the Jaguars 38-35. Did we come out of that one saying, well, it'll be the Jaguars 38-35? What the hell's going on? No. Yeah, that's true. So, so speaking of the Jags, what what do you expect? I mean, this is a Jacksonville team. They've won three out of five. They, you know, granted Tennessee turned it over four times last week and, and it never ended up being a game. But it, it looks like Trevor Lawrence is starting to emerge a little bit and the Jags have been playing a little bit better than they had been for a stretch there earlier in the year. Right. And, and this is a game for Jacques' favorite cornerback, Kelvin Joseph. He'll actually get tested this week awesome. uh, because of Trevor Lawrence. Like the. The, the, the Texans didn't have a quarterback that were gonna, or, or receiver that was going to test him the way that the, the, the Jaguars can with Zay Jones and, and things that they'll be able to do schematically, right? And yeah. you mentioned Trevor Lawrence. He had 10 touchdowns in his last three games, best in the league. His QBR like fourth in the league over the last month of the season. So, yeah, I'm anxious. This is going to be a harder game, I think, than people realize um, because of how they're playing here lately. Uh, you know, we, we saw who did they just beat a couple weeks ago? The Ravens and the four the four down play. Who was that? They, the they, Ravens. Yeah, they beat the Ravens a couple weeks ago, and I think before yeah. that it was the Raiders. So you got it. It had to have been the Ravens, yeah. Yeah. So that, like they went for two, right? Yeah. At the end. Yeah. Now they got waxed the next week against Detroit, but you know what are you going to do? And, and they but they put it on Tennessee pretty good last week. Um, this is the Cowboys haven't been there since two thousand six. The season opener in 2006 when me and Jacques were working together. I mean, it, it's been a long time since the Cowboys played in Jacksonville because uh, they played the I'm game in to... London in 2014. See, I remember the London game. I don't because Dez had two 50-yard touchdowns in that game. 2006 would have been a Parcells game. Yeah, I don't remember nothing about that game, bro. It, it was it was a loss. They uh, here's what I and it was. Bledsoe did not play very well, and T.O. was – was that – had to have been T.O.'s first game, right? Yeah, let's see. They lost 24-17, and I remember T.O. wasn't very pleased, and, like, Bledsoe said, hey, just stick with me. We're going to get better at this. do 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 And, yeah, it was not a – it was not a good outing for the for the Cowboys to open that season. But, Doug Peterson – sorry, Jacques, clearly an upgrade over Urban Meyer and what they're doing there, even if – you know, they're five and eight, technically still in the playoff chase in the AFC, even though they won't get there. But, um, you know, they've, this is going to be hard. Like I said, this is going to be a harder game, I think, than people think. Evan Ingram had a huge day last week, former Giants tight end. Travis Etienne has had a pretty good season running the ball. I think he's a little dinged up now. Uh, so they have some pieces that can challenge his Cowboys defense. But I do think the Cowboys offense should be in talking to people across the league and even in Jacksonville. The Cowboys should be able to pick on their defense, provided they don't turn it over and give them extra opportunities. 
And I think you, if I think that uh, as a team, they'll play better just because they'll be disappointed with how they played against Houston. And so I think you'll get a better overall performance from uh, the fellas. Yeah, and I, I think that's I, I think that's the benefit, if that's the right word, of the Houston game, right? That's the get your head on straight game, and realizing that you can't kind of play this way and expect to be real. Because look, we've talked about this for the last month. This whole stretch has been about making that Christmas Eve game against Philadelphia matter. It might not matter for the division the way the Eagles are going, but it could matter for the playoffs. And if you were to beat the Eagles at home, and then you can fall back and say, hey, we made a game of it with our second-string quarterback and Dak not playing up in Philadelphia earlier in the season, you, you don't want to take this one to your grave if you lose to Jacksonville and going into that Philly game because that would just deflate everything about – it would allow everybody to say they are who we thought they were. For all the people that want to doubt the Cowboys and say that they've – They'll never do anything. They always choke when it matters, blah, 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 blah. So I'm almost sounding like Herb Brooks here in the 80 Olympics after they beat the <laughs> Soviets when he when they played the Finns in the uh, in the gold medal game. He said, if you lose this one, you'll take it to your effing grave. So maybe if they lose this, they, they won't take it to their effing grave, but it would certainly be a huge shot to their chances uh, of, of being a legit contender in the playoffs. All righty, Todd Archer, we appreciate it, man. Thanks for the conversation. All right, thanks, folks. All right, there he goes. That is indeed Todd Archer, our ESPN NFL Nation Cowboys reporter. Good conversation with Arch this week, man. A lot, a lot of Cowboys notes with just one month left in the regular season, believe it or not. Yes, and as, as we continue, again, let's keep in mind... I know that in Dallas, you guys just got like monsoon. Then I saw the video of the tornado going across the, the highway and grapevine today and stuff. And, you know, with all the, the crazy weather, the extreme heat and the deluge of rain that DFW experiences, you know what that does to your foundation? It just screws it up. It just gives you wonky, wonky crap going on with your foundation, which is why you need HFX Foundation Solutions. Aaron and his crew, they're going to come out. They're local. They're family-owned. They service all of DFW. So if you're listening to us in the DFW area, wherever you are, they're going to get you taken care of. It's a free, no-obligation inspection. And for those of you that just got hit with a lot of storms and you're like, oh, my God, there's water just sitting on my property. Maybe you need gutters. They handle drainage and gutter installations as well. I mean, they do it all, man. HFX Foundation Solutions, they'll get you handled so you're not screwing around having to run into foundation problems down the road. Now, if you've got any of that, or you think you might have any of that, call them up, 817-770-0174, 817-770-0174. Tell them you want a colonoscopy before you crib. And all that means is get my house to once over, man. Um, that kind of consultation is free. Um, but here's what the deal is. If they find something, guarantee you. If they find it early, it'll cost you a heck of a lot less than if they find it late. And that's what you want. You want peace of mind. So give HFX a call, let Aaron and his team work your house over and give you the peace of mind, my brothers and sisters, that we all deserve. That's the way to do it. It's easy. Reach out to them. 817-770-0174. 817-770-0174. Or you can visit them online at hfxfoundation.com. So before we wrap it up, I we, we got to throw it out because it was stunning on Sunday night. I'm sure many of you heard that Mississippi State head coach Mike Leach 
had been in some sort of a medical emergency. And details started to emerge. And I had found out Monday that, unfortunately, what had transpired was he had a massive heart attack. And Mike Leach was basically being kept alive so that his family and his children could get to Jackson for an opportunity to uh, see him before uh, the inevitable. And Mike Leach, late on Monday night, passed away at the age of 61. He was taken off of life support. And I got to tell you, man, that's one of those things. I don't know if you ever had an opportunity to interact with Mike Leach, but I had interacted with him. I mean, working in the SEC now and him being at Mississippi State at SEC Media Days a couple of times, and I had interviewed him a couple of times on on the show and whatnot. And I mean, he was just one of those guys that you never felt like took the whole coach. So many coaches take it so seriously and and their press conferences are so detailed and so structured. You know, Mike Leach, it just seemed like he was a guy that like he liked to coach and he was going to coach, but we might as well have a good time. And here's what I think. You asked me about it. I'll give you a legit answer. Now, that's all you ever want in the media. And if you can find somebody who does that, then that's uh, then that's great for you and you appreciate it. Because, uh, dude, all that all when, when you're in the media like we are, that's all you want is uh, authenticity and originality and, and be yourself and not those coaches' cliched handbook dancers. Yeah, man, and, and he was just so different. He did it differently than anybody. But you talk about, I mean, you look around college football today. Look at what Lincoln Riley is doing with USC and was doing at Oklahoma. And the reason why is because Mike Leach existed. And him and Hal Mummy, years ago, back in the 90s, designed the air raid. And Mike Leach is the one who coined the term air raid. That's why that exists. And, you know, you, like literally Lincoln Riley, who was going to be a quarterback at Texas Tech, and Mike Leach basically told him that's not going to happen. And so Riley was going to leave. Mike Leach offers him a job because he sees something in him. And he comes back and is a coach. And, and you know, you, there's so many stories. And you look around college football, how many coaches are doing some version of the air raid because they came up under Mike Leach and his impact on the modern offense of college football. I mean, it, it cannot be understated the innovation well, that he came up with offensively. Well, let me take it a step further, bro. I, I literally just got a text from a guy named uh, Brett Bartolone, most of whom you guys don't know. He's the offensive coordinator at Jackson State. Why is he the offensive coordinator at Jackson State? Because Mike Leach recommended him to Deion Sanders to be the coordinator at Jackson State. Uh, Deion wanted to run the air raid offense because it's always productive. And so he asked Mike Leach, hey, give me three names uh, to be my OC. He gave him three. He picked Brett. Brett became a uh, a Leach disciple because why? He played wide receiver for for, – Mike Leach at Washington State uh, had a really good freshman year, caught about 50 balls, uh, separated his shoulder as a sophomore, uh, medical red shirt, and just never could get his body back right because he's a little guy. And Leach said, hey, why don't you become a coach? Be a grad assistant here and, uh, you know, stay in the game that way. And that's kick-started his entire career. And now he's at Jackson State. He'll be the quarterback's coach, I think, at uh, Colorado with Dion. And, um, you know, uh, we've been I've, I've texted him a couple of times just once I heard it, just because I knew how influential Leach yeah. was to him and what he meant to him. Yeah, I mean, it, it just uh, and really just stunningly sad, because, again, 61 years old, it, it, it's just it, it's just too young. And the impact that he had and the, and the type of human being that he was and the person that he was. 
you know, for those of you listening in, in DFW, if you are a North Texas alum, everybody knows North Texas University, University of North Texas, I should say. They just hired a new head football coach named Eric Morris. Well, Eric Morris is a guy who is a Mike Leach protege, one of those guys that came up under uh, that played for Mike Leach and understands what that is all about and has been under Mike Leach. And, you know, you look at that, you look at some of the names that are out there in the coaching world. Here in Birmingham, there's a school called Samford. They run what's known as the Hatch Attack. Their coach, Chris Hatcher, was a quarterback under Mike Leach when he was at Valdosta State and coached under Mike Leach and, and took that to lead Sanford to the playoffs this year. You know, you go through uh, Sonny Dykes w- with TCU, Josh Heupel at Tennessee, Dana Holgerson at Houston, I already mentioned Lincoln Riley, uh, Cliff Kingsbury, obviously, who coached at Tech and then coached at Arizona, was a quarterback w- with, with Mike Leach. So uh, it's just really sad, man. Just really, it, it, it's the first time I think... Uh, I think you got to go back to 2006 is the last time that a sitting FBS head coach passed away. Just basically, you know, Mississippi State had no plans to get rid of him or anything. He's coming off an eight and four season. They're, they have right. a bowl game coming up January 2nd to get to nine wins at Mississippi State. So just one of those stunningly sad things that is the sad reality that you just never know that life is finite. Yeah. And, you know, you know, coaches have such a swag about them in general that they just seem, you know, just kind of larger than life in a lot of ways. And you just don't see him just, uh, you know, f- you know, dying uh, the way he did really yeah. quick and suddenly and without a whole lot of warning. Um, so it, it's sad. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, it's uh, it's tragic anytime it seems like somebody f- leaves, uh, leaves us before it seems like it was time. Or, you know, I don't and I don't know what time is. It just, you know, if you're in your 80s or your 90s, you're like, well, you had a hell of a run, you know. And if it's before then, especially as as I'm nearing that 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 uh, that time zone, it's just like I don't really feel that old to me, man. (laughs) No, 61. Not at all. I mean, like to me nowadays, like you I almost expect to get into my 80s. Well, I was going to say, I don't really think old. I don't think about old until you hit maybe 78. Maybe that's it. Could be eighty, but um, eighty to me is definitely old. But uh, you know, sixties and seventies to me, man, is still young. Yeah, I mean, you, you're supposed to have lots of time left, and you know, it, it, sadly, leaves behind a wife it, just out of the blue. You know, and has, he's got four kids that are grown now and grandkids. So, uh, just unfortunate because I always enjoyed my interactions with Mike Leach. He was a trip, man. I mean, he. I'll tell you this. So he's the only coach that I've ever had this experience with. Cause usually like, unless like you and Dion, you know, like somebody like that, that, you know, personally, or that you've had around, you know, even then sometimes you still have to go through their, their sports information director to be like, Hey, right. can we get them on the show? Can I get some time with them? Whatever. Well, most of the time, like, unless you have a direct relationship with somebody, you got to go through their sports information director. So we try to get Lisa on the show once and we go through the sports information director. He just gives us his cell phone number. He goes, well, here it is. He goes, text him and see if he'll come on. If he wants to, he'll let you know. You know, so we're like, well, okay. So we, we shoot Mike Leach a text and explain, hey, what we're doing and who we are and stuff. Don't hear anything. And then out of the blue, he goes, yeah, I'll come on. And, and can you guys uh, get, is 20 minutes from now cool? like that type of thing we're just like okay so we just went up and pre-recorded it because he was ready to go and i mean he literally i mean if we had wanted to talk to him for an hour he he, i think he would have just talked to us for an hour 
<laughs> it was so random, and it, but that was like my favorite interaction with him because, I mean, I must have talked to him for like 30-something minutes. And it, like with Mike Leach, if you have that kind of time with him, you don't even, he doesn't even care if you talk about football. Right. You know, right. you can just go down the rabbit hole with a guy like that, which I appreciate because I enjoy doing stuff like that and had a blast and, and had a great conversation with him. So, you know, sad to see that. Some other notes that I wanted to throw out. I'm sure that everybody has seen this by now, but Kyler Murray is done for the year after tearing his ACL. And I, I, I don't know if any, if you saw that play last night, as soon as that happened, you knew he was done. Yeah, that non-contact, yeah. just fun, stumble forward, yep. and grab at the knee. Everybody knows, oh, that's an ACL. And now the thing is, I mean, keep in mind, he Michael Gallup tore his knee last year around this time actually a little earlier in the season as I recall the Cardinals now most likely you got to think Kyler Murray's probably not playing at the beginning of next season you know he you got to think no way he he's going to be there I mean Michael Gallup missed the first four games of the year is is Kyler Murray going to have to miss a chunk of next season oh uh, let me see this is uh, December I think uh, I think he could get back uh, he might miss a game or two early, but normally it's a nine-month injury. Now, here's something else wild: is that is for whatever reason is going back to Jackson State today. Uh, Deion Sanders' son Shiloh plays safety. He came back from an ACL in six months. Damn, really? Yep. Man, that's impressive. Yep. Now the trainer says he's a genetic freak. So, I well, know. yeah, but, I guess so. But I'm just saying, yeah, he literally came back in six months and has played the last, you know, three or four games. Yeah, that's unbelievable, dude. Yeah, so Holy that crap. being said about, about Kyler Murray is, uh, I would say, you know, Michael Gallup really came back in, uh, in October. So it's really a nine-month injury these days. So he could probably be ready early September. But he probably won't be the Kyler Murray that we're used to seeing. Yeah, no, you, you got to think it would take a few games to get back into it. And, and, you know, if you're him and if you're Arizona, you got to hope that this injury doesn't caught, like lose any of his, his quickness and, and the, some of those things that made him so incredibly special as a guy. Right. You know, I mean, Kyler Murray, anybody who's ever played Madden and you use Kyler Murray, I mean, that dude can – he's fun to play with. <laughs> I mean – Well, you know, the other thing is he's got all his money, six years, $230 yeah, million yeah. or whatever it is. There's no need to rush him back. You know, just let him – take as much time as it needs for him to be fully functional and healthy and ready to play at a high level and then i don't know if you saw this but have you seen apparently marcus mariota has left the atlanta falcons because they were going to put him on ir with the knee injury that he didn't think he needed anything to deal with and they named desmond ritter as the starting quarterback for the rest of the season he just left the team uh i ain't really mad at him if that's how it went down like if you know if you want to bench me then bench me but I'm not going to play your little game and go on IR, um, you know. So, no, screw you guys. If you want to bench me, bench me. Uh, if you want to cut me, cut me. But you're not going to stash me on IR just to, to help yourselves out. So, no, I'll holler at y'all. Yeah, we'll, take it up with the, we'll take it up with the union, and they can check my knee and, and see if it's okay. It was really weird because apparently – you know, they named Desmond Ritter was going to be the starting quarterback. And then Marcus Mariota left the team because of what Arthur Smith described as a chronic knee issue that he was having it evaluated. But they don't know when or if he will return to the team. And they anticipate placing him on IR, despite the fact that the knee is nothing that has been an issue this season. 
So, I mean, it's just weird. A weird situation in Atlanta. You had it right the first time. Bizarre. It is. I mean, that's what it is. And, and you know, what can you do? So, In this uh, potpourri of conversations, uh, I just wanted to touch base real quick. What do you think about Chris Beard and whether he'll coach again? That's the University of Texas basketball coach. Yeah, the University of Texas basketball coach that had Texas as a number two team in the country before they lost to Illinois last week. And, I mean, I'll say this, if what is in that police report, and that's all true, because from what I understand in the, t- in the state of Texas, in a situation of that, just because the the person who was attacked says don't press charges, the state can still, still decide to press charges. Yeah. So if all of those allegations are true, I think if you're Texas, you have to fire that dude immediately and he's done. Like, you can never touch that guy again. Yeah, because they they say the officers witnessed this, that they saw the stuff that she had scratches on her back, scratch to her right eye, bite mark to her right arm, abrasion on her leg and cut on her hand. That's what the officers saw. And so I'm like, if the officers saw it, you know, dude, it's, uh, you know, it's just it's a wrap for him, I think. Yeah. And, and, and Texas has suspended him without pay as they continue to. I guess, investigate this situation. I was actually kind of surprised that we haven't seen anything else come out about this because this was yet like this was what? Like, I guess technically, I think technically it was considered Monday morning, right? But it was actually like Sunday night, like what we would consider Sunday night. Right. Yeah. and, And so it's one of those things like it's been a couple of days so you had all day Monday, all day Tuesday, essentially. And I and we haven't seen anything else about that. And I was kind of surprised that nothing else has come out about this yeah uh i I can see that uh it's probably hard to get people to talk about and then i don't know who else i don't know what else there is to be said because if she doesn't want to press charges which is uh uh her right not to press charges but you know he certainly doesn't have anything to say about it so i can see why there's some silence on it uh you know what happens is if he's done this before some other people will start popping up out of the woodwork like yeah this happened to me this happened to me we've seen this uh you know happen before yes and 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 look i mean his lawyer now again it's his attorney but his attorney says coach beard is 100 percent innocent of these charges he should never have been arrested the complainant wants him released immediately and all charges dismissed it is truly inconceivable how this turns out i do not know no i think uh and that's all well and good d but but you have to explain the injuries um you know, they were witnessed and I'm sure were photographed and all this other stuff. So, uh, and you know, maybe, you know, we've seen these other stories where, where the person you don't think is the aggressor is actually the aggressor. And so, you know, maybe that's the situation here and that's what the attorney is talking about. But all that being said, man, it's, uh, you know, and I was trying to explain this to somebody on Twitter. Uh, I know that sounds like, what are you doing, dude? Just stop. But I was just saying when you're, when you're in a situation where your job is to uh, guide young men and teach them about decision making and help them turn into men, then when you get arrested in a situation like this, it's pretty much a wrap because you're not even in a position to do your job anymore. Um, because how can you tell them to do this, this, and this when yeah. you lost enough control that the police had to be called and you had to be arrested? Yeah, and that's, uh, again... I don't know enough about the legalese of this 
to say to you know what I mean? Like it's hard to go down yeah. a, a situation in this because obviously I, I would be say something that oh that's not true that's okay well i'm not a lawyer i don't know all i know is i can read like I, anybody can go read the affidavit like that's right. out there that that police affidavit or police report or whatever it's called you know that's out there and you can re read what they encountered and what they described the scene to be and i don't know how you read that and think that this dude remains or is ever employed ever again yeah i mean i think that yeah i think that's the uh that's the issue and that's the problem that he's got and that's kind of what i'm you know and, and i guess if you're texas you have to go through the legal process of it and and i don't know i don't i don't know how that works from a legally standpoint so i guess you just kind of have to leave it at that and see how it plays out and you know wh- how legally they move forward and what happens yeah i think you're right but that my friends is a jam session podcast man we touched base on a lot of stuff in that one Yes, it was a uh, potpourri, a cornucopia, or I don't know. I don't think that's the right word. Whatever it was. It was no, potpourri. Sure. Potpourri, it, it, that works very much so. Yes, yes, yes. Just a lot going on, man. A lot going on. And, and, and then who knows? Maybe maybe Messi's going to get his cup. Who knows? Dude, did you? I meant to ask Archer about that. Did you see that assist that he had? I did not see the game. I saw his Bro. penalty kick because it happened while I was on the show, and I saw it on a TV in the studio. Bro, he had an assist that was like something off of FIFA where he took off down the sideline and beat somebody and then he cut inside and he got trapped in the corner. He beat like two or three other dudes. Mm. And then he sent a perfect crossing pass and somebody tapped in. I mean, it was uh, it was insane. So now we know it'll be Argentina against either France or Morocco. And you got to think it's going to be France as they won the last World Cup and, and that would set up quite the final between France and Argentina. Yes. Oh, for those of you who care, Deion Sanders' replacement has been named. Are you talking into the mic? You you got oddly quiet. Oh, okay. Is this better? Oh, yeah. There you go. Yeah. I thought maybe here's it was turned around. <clears throat> now, here's what's happening. You, you know, it's been a while since I had one of these. Uh, I'm sitting in the absolute dark, and I'm not touching the microphone so it doesn't go off kilter. Oh, nice. And so I didn't know I wasn't talking into it because I'm in pitch black. Yeah, I got you. Outside of the computer screen. Uh, but no, T.C. Taylor has uh, replaced uh, Deion Sanders as head coach at Jackson State. Uh, he was a receiver at Jackson State in the aughts, I think. Uh, really good receiver. Like I think uh, his senior year he had like 84 catches for 1,200 yards and like 12 touchdowns. Had a cup of coffee in the NFL. Bounced around a little bit as a coach, but uh, joined uh, Deion's staff about uh, three years ago. And uh, now he's been elevated. Well, there you go. And, of course, Jackson State playing for the, essentially the national championship on Saturday. Yes, and uh, I'm headed to Atlanta tomorrow uh, to finish uh, chronicling their season. And, uh, you know, bro, it's uh, it's been interesting. Uh, but in talking to players about this whole Jackson State situation and Dion's leaving and this or that, dude, they are pretty much um, like – you know, he had to do his best for him. It's a business. I've heard that about a dozen times this week. And I think that the players really get down with that in this sense. They now have the ability to leave. And so they really understand, like, yo, I'm up, I'm at this school. Things aren't working out or yeah. there's a better opportunity at another school. 
you know what? I'm going to go. So I appreciate you everything you've done for me here, but it's best for me to go to, to this new school or this new environment or this new place. And so I think they have a sense of how the business works. And so and because he was pretty transparent all year about I'm going to listen if opportunities exist, that there's no sen- there's no sense of betrayal. And uh, he made it clear that he was staying through the Celebration Bowl and wanted uh, wanted them to stay so that they could have the first perfect season in uh, SWAC in Jackson State history. Yeah, and they are taking on North Carolina Central. And, I mean, they're expected to win, right? Like, they're, they would be favored and all that. Yeah, um, here's the deal. North Carolina Central is a good team. They play – they have one common opponent, uh, Campbell, uh, f- coached by former uh, Carolina DB Mike Minter. Uh, Campbell beat North Carolina Central about in the middle of the season, uh, 48 to 18. They were up 34 nothing at one point and rushed for like 300 yards. Uh, Jackson State beat Campbell um, 22 to 14. Campbell scored their last touchdown with like 20 seconds left, if that gives you any indication of the game. And outside of the first drive, Campbell did. Campbell probably ended the game with like a 200 yards of total offense, so they didn't do anything. And uh, Jackson State had about two or three turnovers in that game, which kept it close. So based off their one common opponent, if Jackson State plays well and they're locked in on a game, uh, they should win. Well, you'll see it live. It's happening Saturday in Atlanta, which, you know, it's one of those things. It's 11 a.m. Central, but noon for you because you'll be in the Eastern time zone. Yeah, and it's on ABC. So anybody who's wanting to check out Dion and Jackson State and see what they were all about, uh, hey, check the game out. All right. So that is actually a podcast as we legitimately wrap up this time. But appreciate everybody. (laughs) Enjoy this one. And we will be back looking ahead. Cowboys and Jags. And who knows what else will happen in the next couple of days. Next episode on the pod. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to the Jam Session podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy, Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.